This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. All right. Well, let's see here. I'm going to open up with prayer. Hey, um, before I do that, does anybody need a handout? If you did not get a handout, if you did not get a handout today, raise your hand and the ushers will be so happy to serve you because they're just that good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Well, Father, we come before you this morning in Jesus' name, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, as we gather together to honor our dads today, Lord. That as we gather together, Lord, to break bread, break the word of God together, Lord, that we are growing from glory to glory. Father, we aren't ever satisfied with the way that we are, Lord. We just see things in our lives that need fine-tuned like this little video that we just saw, Father. Lord, we want to be perfect for you, Lord. And so we just thank you for this message today, Lord, and we give you all the praise and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may think it kind of odd that, uh, you know, me, a woman, get up here and teach the men on Father's Day, but don't take this wrong, but I love men. I have five sons who I dearly adore. I have a beautiful, handsome, excellent, godly husband. And then I've got all you guys as my spiritual sons out there. Each and every one of you are my spiritual sons. And uh, I really appreciate all of you. And I just want you to know that. So I think men are great. I think men are underrated. I think in our society that, that men have taken a... I don't know, not lifted up like they, they used to be lifted up back in the day. And so I don't like that. I like for men to be able to be godly men. The name of my message today is called the God kind of dad, the God kind of dad. We're not talking about worldly dads. We're talking about the God kind of dad this morning. Hallelujah. So, you know me, you know, I've prayed about whether I should say this first line or not. And you know what? We're going for it. Because if I don't say it to you, who's going to? Any man can be a sperm donor. You can tell that by all the single moms we got everywhere. But it takes a real God kind of man to be a father. It takes a real God kind of man to be a father. You know, recently I did a women's meeting and we, I, uh, the Lord had me titled it. In fact, it was our uh, mother's daughter thing heritage and i talked to the women about women that made the if you read um, matthew chapter one there's like four women listed in the heritage of jesus christ one of them is tamar and i'll tell you about her in a minute one is rahab the harlot and then we have ruth and then we have mary the mother of jesus but i want to talk to you about tamar you are blessed by god almighty with seed And you know what I'm talking about. We're all adults in here. You need to consider that seed as a sacred thing. A holy thing. Because that's how God sees it. And in our day and age, you know, everybody messes around with everybody. A lot of, there's, there's, there's men in here who don't even know who there's, and women who don't even know who their father is. And I know who you are. And that's rough. What kind of heritage is that when you don't know who your dad is? However, 
If you're one of those people, the buck stops here. You can become the kind of dad that God Almighty wants, and then your heritage can go on down the line because you have a new heritage in Jesus Christ. You may not know who your biological father is, but you have a heavenly father. Amen. And he can make all things new. But I want to tell you, you need to study this in the Word of God. In Tamar, look it up because I can't remember what. I think it's in Judges somewhere. You know, later on, Google Tamar and you'll read the whole story of Tamar. Uh, long story short. Okay, Tamar married this guy, arranged marriage. The guy was a mean guy, so he died young. So back in Levitical law, you were to marry the wife of your brother if he died. So here comes brother number two. And so he marries Tamar, but he spills his seed on the ground. He spilled his seed on the ground. Long story short, God bumped him off. He's not around anymore. I mean, no, he didn't last long at all. Because God was so upset with the fact that he did not continue the heritage that needed to be continued, and he spilled the seed on the ground. That, you know, it says there, he said, well, you know, if you read it yourself, it says God killed him. You know, we don't go around at a word church saying that God kills us, but you read it for yourself. God killed this guy because he had no respect for the seed. He had no respect for his heritage. And so all you young men that are out here, to say it plainly and keep your pants zipped up, okay? And when you find that godly woman that God Almighty brings to you so you can serve the Lord together, then he will bless your marriage bed. And it will be better than you ever imagined. So just save yourself. You know, we always talk about women, save yourself. Well, you men, you do the same thing. Don't be out there spilling your seed. Okay, so you got that part. Now you want to get to the nice part? Okay, here we go. Let's look up 2 Corinthians chapter 3. <laughs> you go, well, I'm glad she said that. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right. Men, the God kind of dad. That's what we're talking about today. The God kind of dad. So this is what the Lord has to say in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, verse 2. You are an epistle or a letter written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle or a letter of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. So as an example, men, you're read by everybody. You know, everybody sees you. Everybody knows you. Bad thing about being raised. How many of you are born and raised in Barstow? Bad thing about being born and raised in Barstow is that everybody knows you. <laughs> everybody knows your yuck. Everybody knows your good stuff. But the thing of it is, they need to see your good stuff. They need to see that you are godly men. That maybe in the past you made mistakes. That maybe in the past you weren't a good guy. But now, because of Jesus Christ, you are a good guy. And people will look at you, especially your children. Your children look at you and they read you. And they study you, just like the little boy in that video. Whatever you do that's yucky, your kids are going to follow. 
Whatever you do that's godly, your kids are going to follow. Amen? I want to read you a couple of statistics. I thought Pastor was going to get into all my statistics today, but I'm taking this clue from Pastor Dave. He's always gotten to statistics. And I thought if he can do it, I can do it too. Okay, so what kind of example are you to your children? According to data collected by Promise Keepers in the Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one in 50 children will become a regular worshiper. That is sad. If a father does go regularly, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. If a father attends church irregularly, between half and two-thirds of their kids will attend church sometime with some regularity as adults. That's powerful. See, so you don't realize the influence that you have because the world has told you the last decades that you have no influence, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. You have a lot of influence. And also, this, this uh, survey also said, if a mother does not go to church but the father does, a minimum of two-thirds of their children will end up attending church. In contrast, if a father does not go to church but the do- father does, on the average, two-thirds of their children will not attend church. Another survey found that if a child is the first person in a household become, to become a Christian, we've had that here. Youth group, children's church kids, they become the first ones in their family, their entire family, that become born again. So if a child is the first person to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. That's pretty low. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability everyone else in the household will follow. However, when the father is first, there is a 93% probability everyone else in the house will follow. That is powerful. That is super powerful. So, here we go. You ready? Number one, a real God kind of dad puts Jesus first place in his life. Amen? Puts Jesus first place in his life. You know, if you act and react like men of the world act, your children aren't going to be able to tell any difference between a worldly man and a godly man if you're acting like a worldly man. They will see no difference. They will see no value in serving the Lord if you if you behave like the world behaves, even though, I mean, we can all come in here on Sunday morning and be, be happy and smile and, hey, brother, how are you doing? Everything's perfect. Everything's great. You know, but how are you at home? Amen. For an example, you know, if you're in church one week, you're out the next. If you're drunk one week, next week you're not drunk. If you're high one week, the next week you're in here high on God. You know, what kind of schizophrenic junk is that for children to follow? You know, you're, you're just sending out mass, mass confusion to your kids. Don't look this up. I'll read it to you. James 1.8, but you can write it down. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. Are you serving God or are you not serving God? Are you in or are you out? You know, make up your mind. Are you going to be a sold-out believer to Jesus Christ? 
Are you, are you going to play church? I mean, you know, it's up to you. But a double-minded man is unstable. You know, when I think of the word unstable, I think of that in uh, mental terms. You know, when they talk about mental health, they'll talk about, oh, he's unstable or she's unstable. See, we don't want to be unstable. We want to be stable in the things of God. Amen. And God gives us stability if we follow him. Amen. You need to be consistently constant and constantly consistent. You need to be the same all the time. You don't need to have any up that one day you're up on the mountain, then the next day you're down in the valley, you know, and then you're up in the mountain, then you're down in the valley. Nobody knows how to react around you if you act like that. You need to be the same all the time. And Jesus is the one that gives us that stability. So there's no guessing about, well, I wonder how God, a, a dad's going to be today. Well, dad's going to be the same as he was yesterday because he follows Jesus Christ. And he's stable, amen, in the things of God. Children need stability in their lives, amen? Hallelujah. The number one goal about our children is that they learn Jesus early by seeing you love Jesus, by seeing you serve Jesus, by seeing you strong and unfaltering in your life for Jesus. In your home, right? In the marketplace. You ever out to eat and get mad at the waitress? The kids see that. When you are driving. Do we have any silent road rage people here? When you're at the sports park, that's a good one. Church softball league, I tell you what, that place is hairy. I tell you it's bad. At your church, amen, amen. So they need to see that you are constantly consistent and consistently constant, the same. Okay, what kind of behavior are your children learning from you? You know, there's such a thing as learned behavior. How many of you find yourself at men, you find yourself acting like your dad? Or women, you find yourself acting like your mom? You know, that's great if you're following the good stuff. But if, if they got problems, you know, and you're, and, and all of a sudden, whoa, here comes your dad, you know, that's not so, that's not so good. So, we need to watch learn behavior. And we need to recognize that just because my dad or my mom acted like this, It wasn't good, and I need to ditch it. And Lord, help me to get rid of it. Amen. So some people have anger issues. If you got anger issues, you know, come up for prayer number one, but go to anger management classes. You mean you heard Brother Besser talk about? How many of you heard Brother Besser talk about that when he was here? I was shocked. That was he's he's. Long story short, Brother Besser said he got mad at him and uh, Barbara were having an argument one time. And he went like that, and her and he hit her phone, and her phone went flying and hit the wall, and it automatically dialed 911. So they're yelling back and forth, having this argument, and all of a sudden all the cops show up in their neighborhood because they're being recorded, you know. And so the policeman says to Barbara, what do you want me to do with him? And she said, take him in. So they took him in. And he went through 12 weeks of anger management. 
You know, if you need help, get it for heaven's sakes. You know, praise the Lord. If you've got porn, porn issues, burn your computer. Burn your phone. And you dads, you better not have porn in your house. And you better watch out what your kids are watching on their little computers when they're shutting their little doors and their little phones and all these gadgets that we so freely throw at their feet anymore. There's a lot of bad stuff on there. And I'm telling you what, if you if you get hooked on that porn stuff, your marriage is going to be horrible. Because men that are hooked on porn cannot perform at home. We know this woman who's the, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. Her husband's been hooked on porn for like 20 some odd years. Has no relationships with her at all. And she sticks it out with that man. I mean, if it were me, I would have said bye-bye a long time ago. But she sticks it out for the children's sake. What's going to happen when the kids are all gone? You know what I'm saying? You cannot allow yourself to get in that kind of lifestyle. You cannot. It's sin. Say, it's sin. It's sin. And it is an addiction. You know, and if you need help for that, you know, I mean, you know, go get help for that as well. There are some Christian things that help men get get out of this thing, but um, I don't know what they are, but, you know, Dr. Barkley does. We could ask him if someone has that problem. Okay. So a God kind of dad, once again, puts Jesus first place in his life. The second thing that you can do to become a God kind of dad is to, for his children, is to openly show love for his wife. When you come home from work or whatever, when you see her, she comes home from work, whatever, you pay attention to the wife first. You give her a hug. You kiss her. And then you pay attention to the children. You know why? Because if you do it the other way around, if you pay attention to little Johnny first, then little Johnny's going to think he's more important than Mama. Little Johnny's going to think that I can I can horn in here, and me and Dad, we got a good thing going. Forget Mom. But that does not bring stability to your children. So men, when you come home from work, women, when you come home, whatever, when you're greeting each other, pay attention to your wife first. Hug her. How was your day? You know, you can pat little Johnny in the head or whatever. How was your day? Make sure you talk to her. And then you can sit on the sofa and talk to the children and they can tell you about their day. Can you see the reasoning behind all that? They will see that you are a strong unit and that you are in unity. See what I mean? That's, that's good stuff. Okay, number three. A God kind of dad loves his children. You think, well, that's a given. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Everybody wants to be wanted and everybody wants to be loved, especially children by their own parents. Everybody wants to be loved for who they are, not what others want them to be. Right? How many of you have children and they're all different? You know, maybe some of them are just like you, but maybe some of them aren't. And you think, well, where did this one come from? But they're not like you. They're different. But they want to be loved for who they are, for who God has made them to be. Amen? Also, uh, you know, we can't forget the grown children. A lot of us have grown children. You know, you need to call them. You need to go visit them.
You guys are going to go away for a whole month to see your kids, huh? Good job. You know what? Uh, I think it is really important if you have family that's out of state that you use your money to go visit them. We have always done that. You know, just to be honest with you, in our, our family, uh, I don't know, I had uh, an older brother who was wealthy, had an older sister who was doing, had a lot of money, did well. My sister Beth that was here, they do well. And then there was us. We were the poor ones amongst the, the group, you know, if you want to look at it that way. But out of all of us, we were the ones that used our money to go visit family. We could have bought a bigger house. We could have bought a better car. There's a bunch of stuff we could have done with it. But to me, family is valuable. And we spent our bucks going to see family all the time, didn't we? And we have a good relationship with our family because they are important to us. If you have grown children, you must be in contact with them. You know, sometimes relationships haven't been good in the past, but pray. If the relationship wasn't good, pray. And get to the point where the Holy Ghost can say to you, okay, now try to contact them. God knows the perfect timing. You know what I mean? And at least if if you reach out to them, God will be pleased with you and he will help you. So anyway, that's extremely important that you do that. You know, some some grown children have gone astray, but you know what we're supposed to do? Love them anyway. Love them anyway. God's Word says that love never fails. It never fails. And sometimes, you know, we've had children that have embarrassed us. They've humiliated us. They haven't done what we've trained them to do. You know, but you don't you don't dump them in the dumpster. You know what I mean? I mean, you love them. You love them. You don't condone the sin that they're doing, but you do love them because that love will never, ever fail. Number four, you ready for four? A real God kind of dad keeps his promises to his children. If you tell that your children, you're taking them fishing Saturday. You know the old saying, come hell or high water, you better take that kid, those kids fishing on Saturday. I'm telling you. Because they will always remember, always remember, say always remember, that you reneged on them. If you're a divorced dad and you're supposed to pick up your kids on Friday night at 6 o'clock, you better be there Friday night, five till six, quarter till six. You better be there because they got their little bags packed and they're all excited to go see you because they love you. And if you decide you're going to go do something else and leave those, that little child hanging there, a child should never have to bear that pain. Never, never should ever a child have to bear that kind of pain. It's, it breaks my heart. I love little kids. And we have to keep our promises to them. Amen. A broken promise is a lie. A broken promise is a lie. Remember a couple of weeks ago I did a lesson on Wednesday night about liars. Hmm. That's not pretty either. Okay, number five. You need to spend quality time with each child individually. I was so happy, Jesse, because your mom, your, your wife, Des, was at kids' club camp. Uh, Rayliana was there helping. Noah was there. 
So where's Jojo, you know? So you and Jojo had quality time by yourself. That boy will always remember that. And don't just make it once. I can remember looking back over the years as I was a child, there was only one child in my whole, one time in my whole childhood I remember being alone by myself with my dad. And I remember that like it's just engraved on my heart. We lived up in Maine on a farm. My dad was still in the army. He wanted to go down and see the, the dairy farmer down the hill a couple miles. And I got to ride in his pickup truck with him. Two miles. But I was with my daddy all by myself. I didn't have to share him with anybody. One time in my whole life. It is very, very, I don't care how many kids you have. You need to spend individual time with each child. I've told you this before, you know, when, as a mom, I would take my kids grocery shopping one at a time. They had, they all had their weeks. So we would go, they got to pick something out at the store, you know, to eat. If I had the money, I'd take them to McDonald's. If I didn't, I didn't. But that quality time that I was able to spend with them, they could talk to me without brother or sister interrupting. You know how it is in, like, Pastor Dave's family. They're all talking at once, you know what I'm saying? So how in the world? You know, I'll go, wait a minute. It's his turn, then your turn, then your turn, then your turn. But you know what I'm saying? Quality time. It's so important. Even if it's just a walk around the block. I remember Pastor with uh, his daughter Tammy. When we lived up in Noblesville, Indiana, there was this bridge that they tore down. This old iron bridge. So Pastor and Tammy went for a walk. And they brought back a hunk of that bridge. And we had that hunk of metal in our yard for a long, long time. But it was important. I don't know where the hunk of metal is now where we don't have to haul it around anymore. But it was a big old piece of metal. And that was from when they went and went for this walk together. You don't have to spend the big bucks and go to Disneyland and all this stuff. You know, don't buy your children. You don't have to buy your children. They spell love, T-I-M-E. That's all they want from you is their time. They want to be able to sit with you and you to listen to them. It's very important that you do that. Amen? Look up Ephesians chapter 4. No, 6 verse 4. Ephesians 6 verse 4. We taught, we taught this first part to our children when they were little. <laughs> you guys remember this? Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. You remember that, boys? <laughs> However, there's another part to this verse. I already read you the first part. But listen to this. In verse 4, it says, And you fathers... says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. King James says, nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
I don't like it when I see dads teasing their children so that they cry and then they think it's funny. I've seen dads do that before. I think it's pathetic. Because you're provoking your child to wrath. Or the story you hear about the guy who says, jump off the building, Johnny, I'll catch you. Then he lets him fall on the ground. You know what I'm saying? That's not good. You know what I mean? That is not good. You're provoking your child to wrath. They will never trust you. You want your children to be able to trust you. Amen. So make sure that you're training your children, but you're not tormenting them. That you're not making fun of them. That you're not belittling them. If you want them to grow up to be strong men of God, then teach them, train them, treat them properly. Amen. Look at Philippians 4.9. This is the way the children should be able to glean off of you. In Philippians 4.9 it says, The things which you or your children have learned and received and heard and saw... In me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. You know, like I said before, you're their example. They're watching you. What are they seeing? Amen. Then flip over to Proverbs chapter 4. You know, while you're, you know, I said this a minute ago, but while you're having quality time with your child, grown children as well, You need to listen to them. That's so cool. I was talking to Renee the other day. Renee has a son who drives in the traffic all the time. Joe drives in the traffic all the time. So every morning when it's work day, Joe calls me, talks to me for about an hour. Her son Josh calls her while he's driving in the traffic down the hill, talks to her for an hour. Part of the main conversation is griping about the traffic, correct? You know, because and that, then I always tell Joe, that's what you get for moving to the big city. You know, I can drive to town on the side roads and not meet a car. You know, come on, Joe. You know what I mean? I wish you would. Anyway, okay, Proverbs 4. Let's go here. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. How can they hear you if you never talk to them? Think about that. Here, children are commanded to hear the instruction of their father. But if you fathers are never bothering to spend time with your children, talking to them, there's nothing for them to hear. You've got this vast void of nothingness. No sounds, no words, no instructions, no nothing. If you don't. Spend that time talking to them so that they can listen. And then it goes on to say, and give attention to no understanding. Give attention. That means pay attention. What are they saying? Pay attention. Verse 2, for I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart Retain my words. 
How many of you can think of something that your dad would said to you that was good and you remember it to this day? Yeah. Remember stuff your dad said to you. My dad used to say, if you can't say anything good about somebody, don't say anything at all. Anybody's parent or dad ever say that? You know, just these little one-liners. You know what I mean? But they mean a lot to us. And so children are supposed to listen to their fathers, but at the same time, fathers are supposed to listen to their children. Amen? You know, when, they, when they're little, they'll, they'll color you a picture. And sometimes, you know, it just scribbles at first. And they bring it to you and they're so proud. Make a big deal out of that. It may not be a big deal to you, but it is a very big deal to them. They don't have money to buy stuff. And that, and what they put on that paper, that was their heart. Whether it's a scribble or what it is, that was something in them that they have cherished and they're giving it to you. It needs to go in the refrigerator. Right? And date it and put the, put their, put their, uh, their name on it. So you know which of the 16 grandchildren was the one that did that. Or the children, you know, children, whatever. Amen. Make a big deal out of that. Number six. I love this scripture. Uh, look up Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. I'm in the, well, I think I got it here on the King James. A real, number six, a real God kind of dad teaches his children teaches his children how many of you have a son that maybe is mechanical likes to fix stuff anybody got a mechanical son like that you can tell when they're little if they're like that because when you're working on something their little two-year-old bodies are just right down there just right in your way just staring at everything you're doing that's the mechanical child that you're raising up that's the one that will fix your stuff later on in life. Right? Right? <laughs> Amen. So you're going to teach your children. That's just one thing that you can teach them. You know, you can teach your children, if you're, if you're mechanical at all, how to change the oil, how to change a tire, how to do this, how to do that, how to put windshield wipers on. I mean, you know, how to fix the light switch. You can teach them all kinds of things. You know, even if they're not interested in learning, teach them anyway. Because someday they will have a family of their own. And they may not have the bucks to call the guy, the electrician, the whatever. But if you have shown them how to do that simple thing, changing that light switch, changing the oil in the car, you know, stuff like that, you've taught them a lot of good stuff. That's just in the natural. Listen to this about the spiritual end of it, though. Deuteronomy 6, 6 6-9. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Talking about the Word of God. The things of God. You shall teach them diligently. That means on purpose, all the time, day in, day out, diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise. That sounds like all the time, right? You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. How many of you have scriptures all over your house? You need to write scriptures down. Put them on your mirrors. Put them on your refrigerator. Put them everywhere. Put them in your kid's lunchbox. Put them in your husband's lunchbox. You know, do all this kind of stuff. The Word of God must be taught constantly. 
You know, we always get ticked off at the Israelites saying, well, they blew it, you know, God parted the Red Sea for them and they blew it and they're out there wandering around for 40 days and 40 nights. Well, guess what? If they hadn't done that, we would have too. You know, people are people. We're all, you know, out there in la-la land sometimes. We all forget. But if we're constantly going over the same stuff, it's called rote memory, constantly going over the same stuff over and over and over again, then your children are going to learn it. Amen? So part of this is training up your children. I didn't quote you Proverbs 22.6, but that's the big one that most people use, but I didn't use that today. Do not push your children into things they aren't gifted for. Have you found that out? Oh, man. If they don't want to play the piano, they're not gifted to play the piano. There's no musical ability there whatsoever. Do not torture your child with piano lessons. See what I'm saying? (laughs) But do see what your children are interested in and develop that. You know, what are they gravitating to? What is their interest? What do they like to do? And then lead them that way. Do not relive your life through your children. Your son or your daughter is not you. God is so awesome. He makes us all individually. You know what I mean? We're all different. We're all different. So don't make them be like you. If you make, if you try to make your child to be like you, you know what? You're robbing the world of them. You're robbing yourself of them because they are uniquely and originally made by God our Father with different gifts and callings and things like that. So don't try to make them be like you. Well, let me just say this. Okay, I like to, I can sew, I can cook, I do paint, I can do all kinds of stuff. Annie doesn't want to sew. Annie doesn't want to do this. Annie doesn't want to do that, you know. And I thought, well, okay. But I have to love her for what she does like to do. You know what I'm saying? Just because she's not me and we can't sit down with two sewing machines and make things doesn't mean that she's any less of a person. You know what I'm saying? She can do other stuff better than I can do stuff. So, you know, you just you just can't do that. What are you going to do if you have a child who's a nerd and you're a muscle man? What are you going to do about that? You want a college jock. And he wants to, you know, do his computer stuff or whatever all day long. What are you going to do? Are you going to put down on him, say bad things about him? What are you going to do about that? You know, well, what you're going to do about that is accept him for who he is. Right? It's not all about you. It's not. It's about this gift that God has given you called a child. And it's about what God Almighty wants you to do with this child. You know, they're just on loan to us. You've heard that. They're on loan to us. What are we going to do with them? We are going to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and gifting the way that God has planned for them to be. Amen? You need to take interest in what they're doing, even though you don't like it. Where's, where's, there's Lawrence back there. Lawrence loves that Star Wars stuff. You know, what is that other stuff? Star Wars and what's that other kind of stuff that goes along with that? Star Trek and all that kind of stuff. Lawrence loves that. I think that stuff's terrible. I hate that stuff. I like, I like reality stuff, you know? I don't like sci-fi and things that are out there. I don't like, I don't like art that's not real. 
what do you call abstract art? I hate abstract art. If I look at a piece of art, I want it to be real. But you know what? His little kids love that stuff. And maybe have one or two that don't like it. I don't know. But you know what? That's nice that they can do that with their dad. But like maybe if Maley doesn't like it, I don't know. Maley can find something else to do with it. You don't like it, Maley? Maley likes to draw and do stuff like that. But dad can pay attention to her with her art. You know what I'm saying? Take her to the museum, the art museum. I'm serious. There's got to be an art museum around here someplace. Take her to the art museum, just you and her, Dad. And then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're developing her interest. Doesn't mean that she doesn't love you or you don't love her just because she doesn't want to go to the Star Wars movies. You know what I'm saying, Lawrence? You back there, Lawrence? Yo, okay, I just want to make sure you're there. He's back there looking at me. He's so cute. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It can be an issue. But you have to learn how to like what they like. At least take interest in what they want to take interest in. Amen? Now listen, men. This is serious. Look up Job 31.1. Whoops, I'm losing my receipts. Job 31.1. Men, you need to train this to your sons. Not only train this to your sons, but train yourselves. Everybody there? Let's say this together. You ready? One, two, three. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then... Should I look upon a young woman? You're supposed to look at women from the neck up. Yeah. If you're married, you got a wife, you can look at her all day long, however else you want to. Just ask Josh. He'll tell you. Josh will tell you. <laughs> Every marriage meeting he tells it. Okay. but you need to train your sons that and you men if you're looking and you women shame on you if you're dressing bad if you're dressing this low cut stuff and you got stuff hanging out shame on you if you're wearing tight stuff there's a certain place that men like to put things and if you're if you're showing that off and they're lusting after you that is your fault Dress modestly. Why would you want to call a, cause a man to sin? I mean, I'm serious. I mean, if I can't be real with you guys, I can't be real with anybody, okay? You've got to be able to be... A, if, you're going to be if you're going to call yourself a Christian and be a godly woman, you dress like one. All right? And you men, go like this. Go like this. From the neck up. Right? 
They don't like that. We're going to do it again until we all get it. Go like this. From the neck up. You got that? Look at their eyes. Keep your eyes off the other stuff. Now, look at what Jesus had to say about this very same topic. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Now, if you're going to be holy men of God, let's just be holy men of God. Amen. Matthew chapter 19. No, not 19. Chapter 5. Matthew 5. This is a heavy revy. If you're around in the 50s, you know what that means. If you weren't, you don't. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Matthew 5:27. Jesus said this. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That's why we're training our eyes to look from here up. Right? The Bible also says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor of the Lord. So if you, if you know, if you need a wife, ask the Lord for one. Ta-da. Okay. Now I want to show you something about Jesus' example with children. Let's look what Je- how Jesus related to children. Matthew 19. Verses 13 through 15. Then the little children were brought to him, Jesus, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked him. Isn't that sad? But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed from there. Jesus did not ignore the little children. You know, when you come into service, you know, there's little children that will run up to you and grab your leg and they will hug you. You know, stop and pay attention to them. Little Adelina, Chuck and Heidi's little girl always does that to me. She runs up with me, Mrs. Pastor, you know, and she's just so cute, so little. And so I stop and I talk to her, you know. She brought me a rose the other night at kids club camp. You know, she brought me this rose. Yeah, she gave it to you, but then she went like that, like, it was supposed to go to me, you know, not you. Anyway, that's okay. But pay attention to them. You know, stop what you're doing and pay attention to the children, amen, when they're t- in, at home and at church, amen. You need to be consistently constant and constantly consistent. You may sound, well, say, well, that sounds boring. I don't think it's boring. I don't think it's boring at all. Okay. On the back of your little handout thing here, it says the, the God... The God kind of dad challenge. So turn your paper over and it says this. It says, be consistently constant and constantly consistent in what? Okay, number one is your life as a Christian. Right? Your church attendance. Your service to the Lord. The Lord knows if you're, I mean, the kids know if you're doing stuff in church or not. Your work ethic. It's very important that you don't be a lazy bum. Uh, what do you call those people that don't work? 
What do you call those millennials? There's a word, snowflakes. You don't want to be a snowflake. You don't want to be a cupcake. You, you want to be a man that works. You know what I mean? Do your children see you reading the Bible? Do your children hear you praying? Do your children hear and see and stop and ask the Lord how to fix something when you're puzzled with it? You're out there working on the car. You can't figure it out. You know, your little kids are there. You know, they're around there. Do they hear you say, Lord, help me with this? How can I fix it? I'm stuck. Lord, help me do this. Do they hear you do that? They need to. And you need to be asking for the help from God, too. Do you hug your children? Do you encourage your children or consistently put down on them? This is important, this one. Do you, do you tuck your children into bed at night with a Bible story and prayer? That's not always a woman's job. Tuck your kids in at night. You guys do it. Do you read to them before they go to bed? A lot of kids like a bedtime story, but let me tell you something. Don't be reading them books about trucks or dinosaurs or superheroes. You read them Bible stories. Because whatever goes into you right before you go to bed will be what you wake up with. You go to bed putting Jesus in these kids. When they wake up, Jesus on their mind and in their heart. See what I mean? Okay, number seven, finally. What is our obligation to these godly dads? We as women have an obligation to these men. All right? This is, one, this is what we're supposed to do for them. We're supposed to pray for them. Now, how much time do you spend griping about your husband as you do compared to praying for your husband? That's a good one, huh? Encourage them. You know, men get down. You know, that sometimes they go to work. Well, women anymore, they work too. But, you know, you may have problems. You don't work or whatever. Encourage them. If they've lost their job, you don't divorce them. You know what I mean? You encourage them till they find another job. Appreciate them. Thank them for what they do. I heard a story one time about a husband and wife. They'd been married for a long, 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 long time. They went to some marriage seminar somewhere. And the wife was never encouraging to her husband. I mean, all these years. So they instructed the wives to tell their husband, to thank them for going to work every day. You know, that, that, that husband cried because she had never bothered to thank him, you know, for being the provider. Our obligation to these men is to realize that they are a provider. They are our protectors. We need to be patient with them. They don't multitask. Women can have a kid here, a kid here, one on the floor, jerking on the thing, cooking dinner or washing the dishes, talking on the phone, and hear everything that goes on. A guy, on the other hand, unless you're really unusual, cannot do two things at once. So we have to be patient with them that they don't multitask. We have to love them. We have to honor them. You know, if you're putting down on your husband all the time at home, that is you need to stop. Because that husband of yours is a son of the Almighty God. 
And if you're putting down on him, you're putting down on Jesus. So you need to stop that. You need to respect them. You need to support them in their interests. Manhood needs to be restored to the United States of America big time. It begins in the local church, right? By the way, we treat you godly men. By the way, you men imitate God the Father. We don't need any more of these macho ego men. We don't need that. But we do need the God kind of men in our society and the God kind of men in our homes, amen, and in our churches. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, do we all get that? Okay. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.